Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. So we are excited because we are at the tail end of a powerful series here at All Nations Award that we have called Family Values. We've had some great conversations about values that we need to instill and impart into um, our family, into ourselves in a lot of instances. And this is the tail end of that series. And next week, we're super excited because it's going to be Easter Sunday, y'all. Y'all excited about Easter Sunday? Yeah, we're going to take communion, and we got some great stuff for your kids, and we got some special guests that are coming by, and so we are excited uh, about next week. But here we are in the, the part four of this series, and I'm probably the most excited about this one because we can all relate. It's a message that no matter what your demographic makeup is of your family construct, uh, this message applies to you. Uh, so the title of this particular message is called, We Are Family. Can you say, we are family? Yeah. Now, when, when I heard somebody say it now. When, when, I, when, I, when I put this message together and the title came, I immediately thought of Sister Sledge. Anybody know about Sister Sledge? We are family. Now, my wife, she went the other way. She's talking about dream girls. Oh, I was so disappointed. Fun fact, uh, uh, my, wife, my wife has seen dream girls no less than 20 times. And she saw all 20 times on our honeymoon. So much so that I, I've been quite, quite happy to never see it again. Now, for those of you who are super deep and super saved, you probably went the Hezekiah Walker route when you heard we are family. I need you. You need me. We are all a part of God's body, right? Y'all, y'all, any, anybody started singing hymns when they heard the, the title? Y'all deep. I love y'all. Thank you for being here and being super duper saved. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the family of God. It's, it's a family that no matter what our particular biological family makeup is, um, we are a part of that family. If we have decided within ourselves, I'm going to live for Jesus, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, then you have also now become a part of a family of believers called the family of God. Um, but for some of us, we don't, quite, we don't quite have a firm grasp on what that is, um, how it happened, and how we should respond. So the goal today is to, is to get you to that place to really understand who you are, who you are to him and who he is to you. Because when you firmly understand who you are and who he is to you, it'll change your life. It'll change how you move through days and weeks and months of your life when you understand just how powerful of a position you hold in the earth. When you move from one family to another, or one location to another, there's a transition period. There's a retraining of your mind. There's a re-understanding of your surroundings and your circumstances. And if you don't 
take the time to go through that process, you end up not being able to fully adapt or be able to fully appreciate and operate in your new position. Think about Moses for a second. We all know the story of Moses, how his story began. There was a mandate in the land that the male children of the people of Israel, when they were born, were to be killed, and his mom didn't want that to happen to him. And so she put him in this basket and sent him down the river, and he became a member of the household of Pharaoh. And so he grew up, although biologically he was a Hebrew, he grew up in an Egyptian family, learning their culture, learning their laws, learning how they operated. And then one day he found out that he was actually adopted and that he wasn't actually a part of this household, but that he was a part of a completely different household. And he had to make some decisions and he had to make some choices and he had to make some changes as a result of this realization that the family that he started out in is not the family that he actually was a part of currently. And so for us, we have that, that same thing going on in our life because whether you know it or not, we are all descendants of a broken family. That family consisted of Adam and Eve. And when they failed, we all did. And we all came into this world a descendant of that broken family. So even if you grew up in this great household, you came from a broken family. If you grew up in a family here on earth that was broken as well, um, you are already part of a broken family regardless. So the, the, the situation starts the same for every last one of us. It's something that we all have in common. And because of that, we have to retrain our minds. Once we come into the family of God, and once God says to us, hey, now we are family, there's a process of a mind renewal that has to take place. I'm going to start this discussion in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Paul is talking to Gentiles. Gentiles was anybody other than the Jews. You just were a Gentile, no matter where you was from. If you weren't a Jew, Gentile. So you were considered outside of the chosen people. And that's good news because we find ourselves in that same category. So when we read this, we see ourselves. And so when he says, you are now no longer foreigners and strangers, that should be good news for us. I don't know how many of you all have ever moved from one state to another or even spent some time overseas. It can be kind of a culture shock. I mean, even if you go from Midwest to down South, the pace is slower, the accent is different, the mannerisms are different, and it can be like, yo, when you come from, I'm just telling you my story. I spent some time in different states in the South, and I'm from here. And so when I went down there, everybody was so nice. Everybody's like, hey, I'm like, what you mean? What you mean, hey? Right? Because you always suspect, like, what? What's up? What you want? What? what? Why? Why are you this close? Because we're suspicious people up here. And so you have to adapt to this, what they call Southern hospitality right? Where they are raised and trained to say hello. You're supposed to say hello. If you don't say hello, you're going to get in trouble. 
because you have to be hospitable. And so for me, it was a culture shock. And then an even deeper culture shock is when I had to live in another country. I lived in South Korea for one year during my time in the military, and they spoke a different language. And they had different um, holidays, and they had different ways that they went about things. Let me tell you something. They can't drive. They cannot drive. And so I was dependent on public transportation, and I always had to pray in tongues the whole ride, every taxi ride. I mean, they was driving crazy, and they didn't understand me because they spoke a different language. And so I had to adapt. I had to learn some key words and key phrases to let them know, slow down, bruh. You need to stay in the lane. I want to make it to my destination. But what's, what's, what's happening in that transition time before you start to get acclimated is you feel uncomfortable. I don't know the language. I don't understand these mannerisms. I don't understand why the signs look like that. I can't read any of the verbiage on there. And it, it, it becomes scary because you're not sure how you're going to make it from day to day in a place that doesn't speak the language that you speak, who doesn't operate the way that you operate. And so there's a period there of fear and frustration until you take the time to realize that you're in a new place that's going to require you to make some changes. Because if you stay in that place and you decide that I'm just going to be me no matter what they are doing, you're going to limit your ability to be able to thrive in this new land. You're going to limit your ability to prosper in your new surroundings because you have decided that you are going to stay who you are no matter the fact that everything about your situation has changed. And that's a dangerous thing. In this same verse, it says, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. Again, this is good news for us because some of us struggle with an identity crisis. We don't realize who we are to God. We're so fixed on what the world has told us about ourselves, what our biological family has told us about ourselves, and in some situations, what our local church has told us about ourselves. And we make that our identity that we lead with when we should lead with the fact that we are, as this says, citizens of God. You are members, this is the most powerful part, of God's family. You are members of God's family. How does, that, how does that penetrate your heart when you hear that? The God of the universe, the God that created everything out of nothing, he says that you're a part of my family. Have you been in church so long that that doesn't move you anymore? Have you been sitting in, in, in services for so long that you think that, yeah, of course, I'm a part of God's family. I've been serving him all these years. Of course, I'm a part of God's family. I've been leading worship. Of course, I'm a part of God's family. I've been a part of the usher team. Of course. I'm a part of God's family. I'm a prayer warrior. Have you become so comfortable with your citizenship in heaven that it no longer moves you? I tell you, that's a dangerous place to be because there's a verse in your Bible that says, 
Pride goes before a fall. And if you can sit in the presence of the Lord, comfortably residing in the fact that you think that you earned your spot in this kingdom, you are in a dangerous place. All nations never get comfortable with the fact that you are a part of God's family. Let it always be the thing that puts nothing but gratitude in your heart that the God of the universe said, you are my son, said, you are my daughter. Let's keep going. Ephesians 3 and 14, it says, for this reason, right? This is, this is the response to this knowledge. Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So before you had a name, you had a name. Come on, I said before you had a name on a birth certificate, you had a name in heaven. Your name was his family. It says that you were named a part of his family. Man, that, that, that's humbling. <laughs> to know before there was time, there was space, before there was a you, you were accounted for in heaven. Not because of something you did, not because you're special, but because God made a decision about you before you were able to make a decision about him. You received the name of Christ. And that name means something. That name has power. That name has authority. It's something powerful about names, especially family names, right? Last names are usually attached to legacy and lineage and family and generations. Every, every day I, I, I drive my son to school and I drop him off and, and before he gets out that car, I, I ask him a question. I say, who do you represent? Every day before he gets out that car, who do you represent? My question to him is, before you go out of my presence, I need to remind you of something. That everywhere you go, you represent. And his answer is the McNeely's and Jesus. Every morning, who do you represent? The McNeely's and Jesus. And I say, remember that when you go in there. Because when you go in there, it's all kind of things and distractions to take you away from the fact that you represent the McNeely's and Jesus. Now, for me, I grew up in a very large church. And it was a large church, but the problem for me as a young kid that wanted to get into stuff is that everybody knew my mama or everybody knew my daddy. You knew one, you knew the other, or you knew both. And so even when I would get in a little bit of trouble, they'd be like, ain't you Sonny's boy? Dang. Wait a minute. Is that Miss Carrie's son? Yeah. Now you know better, and they were right. Now why did they say you know better? Because there was something attached to my name. There was a standard attached to my name. 
And they knew because of who my father was, my natural father, that I knew the standard. And that any time I dropped below the standard, I was making a wrong choice that did not represent my family. And so sometimes we get caught in that place because we forget our name. We forget who we belong to. We forget what family we actually are a part of. And so I need you to understand some things that take place when you decide that you're going to surrender to the Lord. It's not just something that you do that's a churchy thing to do. It's not just something you do because you're frustrated or tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, so I'm going to just give it all to Jesus. It's way deeper than that. The first thing that it happens is this. You are born into a family of unconditional love. You are born into a family of unconditional love. Now, I know you immediately think about some Christians who didn't love you right. You immediately think about some people who mistreated you. You you might think about some people who even abused you in the family of God. But they're imperfect people just like you. But what's unconditional is God's love for you. Never assign the shortcomings of Christians to the Christ because he's perfect in all of his ways. And so you have to allow yourself, first of all, to receive unconditional love. Ah, that could be the roadblock because you're so used to operating with conditions. You're so used to only receiving love that is conditional. The only reason that they love me on the, on, on, in sports is because of how I perform on the field. The only reason they love me on my job is because of how well I do that particular assignment that they gave me. The only reason I get love in school is, is, is connected to the grades that I get. It's all about performance. And so when you show up in a new family called the family of God, and he says, my love for you is unconditional. You don't know how to handle it. And so you try to perform for him. And so you try to make yourself appear more than what you are because you think that's what I have to do to earn love. And he's trying to get you to renew your thinking to understand that when he says we are family, it comes without conditions. He is not keeping a record of your performance. There's no quarterly evaluations that you got to come and sit down with him and say, you know, there was a couple times you showed up to church late. What was that about? There was a couple nights you ain't even pray. What was that about? Now, his spirit is here to guide us and help us, right? He's called the helper to help us, and we are in a process called sanctification, and there should always be a pursuit of us trying to get closer and closer and closer and closer to the cross. But his love for you does not have conditions. You cannot outrun the love of God. You cannot disqualify yourself from the love of God. How do you know that? John 3:16 for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son 
so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He thought about you and your bad decisions and your sins and your shortcomings and your character flaws and decided to come and die anyway. It's another one of those truths that you just cannot get acquainted with. That he saw you, as Romans uh, 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 5 and 8 tells us, it says that he showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were sinners. While in the midst of, in the middle of your sin is when he decided to choose you. You can't get acquainted with that. You can't get comfortable with that fact that as messed up as you are, I'll just talk about me, as messed up as I am, he decided, that's my son. He decided, that's my child. You know why? Because his love is unconditional. You have to get there. You have to get there to know that his love is not a performance-based love. His love for you is not transactional. It is unconditional. It's not based on your character. It's based on his. And he's flawless and undefeated and perfect. And that's what his love for you and for I is based on. We have to stop acting like the prodigal son. You remember him? He was in his father's house. And then he got greedy, and he wanted his inheritance, and he went out, wild out, bawled out, and fell on his face. The most dangerous thing he did while he was out there, he adopted, instead of, he forsook his son mentality and took on a slave mentality. And so that's why he's working in the fields, doing the slop, and then he comes to the realization, like, but he still didn't come to a full sonship realization. What he said was this. He said, man, my father's workers are doing better than I'm doing right now. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go back and try to be his son. I'm going to go back and try and be a slave. Oh, that's some of y'all right now. You started off as a son, then you fell off, and now you want to show back up here. But you, you forsook the fact that you are a son, that you are a daughter, and you still think that you have to work and slave your way to his love. And he's saying, not so. Not so. You are my son. You are my daughter. And I welcome you back home because we are family. There's this little, script, little part of a scripture that is so humbling. It's such a good reminder of just who we are to him. Again, if you've been in his fold and his family for a little while, you, you start to forget these truths. You start to get way too comfortable, way too familiar with your heavenly father. In Luke 6.35, it says he's, he's, he's telling us, this is him instructing us on how we are to interact with people. He says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you truly will be acting as children, right? We're talking about sonship. This is how you act as a child of the Most High. 
He said, this is the part that messed me up, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Now, I know you just thought about five people that fit into the category of unthankful, and you thought about five more that fit into the category of wicked. But what about you? Have you forgot about those moments of unthankfulness that you operated in? Have you forgot about all the ways that you demonstrated wickedness in your life? He said that this is how the most I, this is how he deals with us. He's kind to the unthankful and the wicked. When was the last time you were kind to somebody who didn't like your post on Facebook? You got a whole problem with them for six months because they didn't like your birthday flyer. They don't love me. They didn't even hit the like button. They ain't even cash at me. <laughs> and because of that, we... We don't deal with them anymore. Let alone somebody who does something wicked and evil toward us. You want me to be kind to them? Ain't no way. Did you see what they did? Eli, did you see what you did? I was kind to you. When you were unthankful, when you were wicked, his love it's without condition. He loves you unconditionally. I was talking to my son the other day, and I was encouraging him because he's a very smart little boy, and he's a thinker. And I said, son, don't ever lose that. I said, you're going to get to the point where people are going to try and say this or that because you're smart and try to get you to kind of come down to that level. I said, don't ever do that. I said, you know, to be honest, you know, there were some points I don't think I operated in my full capacity when I was in school. I did good. I did all right. I said, and I told him, I said, man, except for this, this one semester, my junior year in high school, I messed up. He's like, dad, what happened? I was like, don't do it. We'll talk about that later. I said, we're talking about you right now. I said, I need you to focus. <laughs> but, but, but for me, that, that was a very bad year for me. For most of my educational career, I was a good student because my parents made me and honors roll and honors classes and all that except for the beginning of 11th grade. I don't know what happened but I lost my mind. And it was the first time ever, ever, ever I had D's and F's. And it was the first and last time I ever got arrested. Yeah, I'm sorry. So I had a good idea in my little 15-year-old brain. And so I was like, yo, we're going to hit a lick, man. We're going to steal these watches, and then we're going to resell them, and we're going to come up. Guys, I don't know why I did that. I don't know. I don't know why my brain told me that. I, I honestly don't. But it seemed like such a foolproof plan. 
And so being the leader that I am, I got a friend of mine to roll with me. I said, right, you hit that side, I'm hit that side. Boom, boom, boom. We smacked the grab, da dun da dun And we about to roll out, and then I felt the arm on my shoulder. Not the Holy Spirit, like a real one. <laughs> it was security. <laughs> security. And next thing I know, handcuffs. And the police had to call my parents to come get me. And um, the two things I remember about that, that period of time is um, the tears in my mom's eyes. She couldn't even talk. All she could do was cry. But I also remember the reassurance of my father. I, I got the consequences. I got the talking to, but he reassured me that I was still his son. That, yeah, you messed up, but you're still my son. I needed that. I was at my lowest low. I couldn't believe myself what I had done. But when he said I was still his, it picked me up off the floor. I knew that although I blew it, I didn't blow it totally. There was still grace for me because I was still his son. And he made sure, after I got all my concerts, he made sure that I knew that I was his son. And that's how your father is dealing with you. You keep disqualifying yourself based on what you've done. You keep looking at your history of wrongs and you keep disqualifying yourself. And he's like, we're going to deal with that. We can, we can change. We're gonna, the old has passed away. But you're, you're, you're my son. You're my daughter. And there's no changing that. It's your enemy, the devil, that keeps reminding you. It's your enemy, the devil, that keeps trying to disqualify you. Where God is just like, you're mine. You are my child. So the first thing that happens is that you're born into a family of unconditional love. The second thing is you are adopted into a family of unmerited favor. You are adopted into a family of unmerited favor. We find that in Ephesians 1 and 5, it says, and I got to be honest with you, um, this brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. These first few words, God decided in advance to adopt us. Now, we read previously how he, while we were yet sinners, that he died for us. But even before the sin, he decided in advance to adopt you. Let that sink in. He knew you. He knew what you would do. He knew you would stumble and fall and make the wrong decision. And before any of that, he decided that you were going to be his anyway. You got to get that. Because when you understand that he decided in advance to adopt you, 
You don't show up to work defeated. You don't show up in your communities with your head hanging down. You don't show up in your households as though you don't belong there. When you realize that your God looked at your imperfect self and decided that you were going to be his, it should give you a heavenly confidence like no other. Come on, some of us, some of us know <laughs> just how disqualified we should actually be. I know some of y'all like my wife who are just completely sanctified. <laughs> but some of us had a rough journey. Some of us had lots of hurdles to jump over. Some of us had lots of wars that we had to grapple with. And some of us messed up way more times than we would like to talk about. And despite all that, before any of that, he decided in advance to give you his name. Galatians 4 and 6, it says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. God has made you his heir. You didn't make yourself he made you, despite of you, his heir. I want to focus on that word, Abba. It's a powerful word that you shouldn't just glance over. So during Jesus' time on the earth, the language that was spoken was Aramaic. Uh, the language that was written was Greek. And so that's why the, most of the New Testament is written in Greek. Um, but during Jesus' time, what they spoke out of their mouth was the language of Aramaic. A, a little small portion of the Jews spoke Hebrew. And, and in Old Testament times, they spoke Hebrew. But during this time, the primary language that Jesus was talking in, this what we just read was Jesus talking, was Aramaic. And that word Abba means the Father, the Father, the Father. So this is Jesus praying. And this is right before Jesus left the earth. And he was demonstrating to us that the Father was our Father. This prayer was for us. This prayer was to us. And so it's not just Father, it's the Father, my Father. And so by him allowing us to understand this concept, that when we surrender our life to him, his father becomes our father. Paul later on tells us that now we get to say Abba. Because at first that word only, only belonged to Jesus. But when Jesus did his work on the cross, we now had the opportunity when we decide to come into agreement with what God has for our lives. And we say, you're going to be our Lord and Savior. Now we get to say Abba, you're my father. You're not just the father, but you are my father. In Titus in 3 and 3, he says, once we too were foolish and disobedient, 
We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy. So I want to help you all before you leave here today to understand something that you didn't earn this spot in the kingdom of God. Can I go further? You don't deserve this spot in the kingdom of God. It's all 100% an act of his mercy. There should not be a day that you don't go by waking up and saying, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Because it is his mercy that is keeping you. It is his mercy that has elected you into his kingdom. It is his mercy that allows your heart to continue to pump blood and your lungs to continue to receive air. Mercy is a powerful gift from God. And it's the only reason that we are a part of his family. I know some of us were raised in church and we think that if we serve good enough, we deserve or we earn a spot in God's kingdom. Some of us got certificates on the wall saying that we are licensed and ordained and da-da-da-da-da, and we think that because of that, because of that little class we went through, that we have earned a spot in his kingdom with our little righteous works because we laid hands on the sick. We have earned a spot in the kingdom of God because we set demons out of people. We have earned our spot in the kingdom of God. And what this Bible tells us is that we ain't earned nothing. <laughs> he said, not because of your righteous works. Thank you. Appreciate your deliverance. Appreciate your song. Appreciate your sermon. But none of that is why you are a part of this kingdom. It's all an act of his mercy. The good news is this, 2 Corinthians 6 and 18. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. How do you feel about that? He says, again, we're talking about the God of the universe. The one who sits high and looks low, looks directly at you and says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and you will be my daughters. I think part of the problem is this. I think that we forgot that we were once part of another family. I think we done watched so many sermons on YouTube. We done been to so many revivals. We done read so many Christian books that we forgot that we were a part of a different family. And that's why we are sitting so comfortably 
in these seats that we sit in right now. Because we forgot what happened in John 8. Again, this is, this is, this is Jesus. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father. But you are following the advice of your father. This is them talking back. Our, our, this is the Pharisee. Our father is Abraham. Like, what you mean, our father? They declared, no, 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 no. Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Now, what do they mean by that? Abraham was counted among the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 because of his faith, because of his reliance and his dependence on the Lord. And Abraham had a visitation because he was without a child, but he got a promise that he would be a, a father of many nations. And he was visited by the son of man. He was visited by Jesus himself. Whenever you saw Jesus in the Old Testament or the angel of the Lord, that's what we call a theophany. That was Jesus, uh, a pre-incarnated Jesus. And so that's who Abraham was talking to. And so Jesus, the incarnated Jesus said, if you were like him, you would follow what he did. He listened to me and he did what I said, but you don't. So verse 40 says, instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth. Which I heard from God, Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. In verse 44, here's what he was trying to get at. He says this, for you are the children of your father, the devil. You forgot, you forgot that when you were born into this world, a descendant of Adam and Eve, you were the son and the daughter of the devil. He had a firm grasp on your life. He determined your actions. He determined your thoughts. He determined your every move. Because he was your father. And you've become so comfortable with the fact that allegedly he's no longer your father. Allegedly. That you don't see how powerful it is to be adopted into a new family called the family of God. You've allowed yourself to move on in your mind. Because if you, if you really had it within your mind that you were once a part of the kingdom of darkness, this kingdom of light would look so much brighter to you. If you really had a firm remembrance of the fact that you were once a slave to sin, you would jump at any chance you got to help somebody else get free. But what happened is you got out of your chains and you got so comfortable with being free that you forgot that the whole plan was for you to go back and get somebody else out. You have been adopted. When you get adopted, you have to adapt to a new environment. I read a story about a family who were going through the adoption process and it took months. And eventually they were able to be 
the adopted parents of a child from overseas. And it wasn't a baby, it was, it was an older child. And, and when they adopted her and brought her to their house, the first thing is she was blown away by the fact that for the first time in her whole life, she had her own room. It was mind-blowing to her. And, and um, they, they, were, they were trying to get her acclimated. And, and as time went on, they noticed that um, every time that she would help and clean up after, after dinner, that she would, she would hide food in her room because she was so used to the uneasiness or the unassuredness of whether there would be food the next day. So although she was in a new family, she was operating under old principles of life. Yeah. And, and they had like, you know, bought her a wardrobe. And one day they were, they were looking for a particular nice dress that they bought because they had to go to this uh, dinner with friends and family. And, and they asked like, Where, where's that dress? And, and she lifted up the mattress and she hid the dress in that mattress because she, she didn't know if like somebody would steal it. And she didn't want that dress. She loved it so much to be taken away from her. So here she was in this new family, but she never took the time to renew her way of thinking. She was still acting as an orphan, although she was now a part of a family that loved her. And so it took some time, it took some, some talking, it took some reassuring, but eventually she got there. But for us, for you, you have to ask yourself, where are you at in that journey? Because some of us, have been adopted into the kingdom of light, but we're still operating as though we're in the kingdom of darkness. We haven't renewed our mind and we're still on edge and we're still mistrusting and we're still doubting. We're still operating with conditions instead of receiving unconditional love because we haven't made the mental paradigm shift to know that, hey, I am now in the kingdom of God. And you can know whether or not you're operating this way with how you interact here at this church. Some of us come and leave. I mean, don't say hi to nobody. Not a wave, not a fist bump, not an elbow. You come and you out that door. Why? Because you don't realize that you're part of a family. You don't realize that people here love you. You're so used to operating like an orphan that you just come and go on your own, that you don't have the ability to connect. You don't have the ability to love. You don't have the ability to join in on what's happening with your family. That's an orphan mentality that you don't have to operate in anymore. This church is a family, your home, your welcome, we love Jesus just like you, and we imperfect just like you. And so you have to make those types of decisions on a regular basis. Am I going to act, operate as a kingdom citizen, or am I going to continue to walk around with this orphan spirit on my back and continue to be disconnected? Because when you do that, you're leaving yourself vulnerable to return back to your other father. Not Abba Father, your other father, the devil. We have to encourage one another on a regular basis because we don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know the story. You don't know what they're up against. Don't take their crisp shirt and their wonderful hairdo 
and their big smile as a sign that everything's okay. Because when you're in a family, families look out for each other. Families got each other's backs. Even if y'all had some type of disagreement going on, when the chips fall, family going to come together and family going to figure it out. And so that's how you have to show up in the family of God, knowing that this family is for you. This family led by our perfect father was created for you and you were created for it. So the third thing that happens when you become a part of the family of God is you are transferred into a family of unearned blessings. You are transferred into a family of unearned blessings. Colossians 1 and 13 says this, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. You are born into a cursed family and you were transferred out of it into a blessed one. Come on, somebody should grab a hold of that. You were born into a cursed family, bound for hell for all of eternity. And he sent his son to take your place on a cross that now gave you access to be transferred out of a cursed family and into a blessed one by no act of your own. You did nothing to earn it. And he still made it available to you. We were born again, adopted, and transferred into the kingdom of heaven. This is a, there's a picture of this in the Garden of Eden. Because right after Adam and Eve sinned, God told them, now listen, these are the curses that you brought on yourself. God didn't curse them by a result of their actions. There was a series of curses that came upon them. And the very next thing he did, it says in Genesis 1 and 28, then God blessed them. God blessed them. God blessed them. Here's a fun fact. The very last word in the very last book of the Old Testament is curse. And the very first word in the very first sermon in the New Testament is blessed. We're all descendants from a cursed family. But that's not where the story ends. Don't lose sight of the fact that no matter what you did, even if what you did, you just did it. <laughs> last night, last year, last decade, last century, it's all the same. It's accounted for. You have the ability to be transferred out of that cursed family and into a blessed one. Here's proof, Galatians 3 and 13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. 
For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung from a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. The blessing he promised to Abraham. What did he promise to Abraham? Well, before what he promised to Abraham, go back to what he told Adam and Eve. One of the curses that came upon Adam and Eve was that the land was going to be cursed. That they were going to have to toil and work by the sweat of their brow from that moment forward. And so then you come to the promise that God gave to Abraham. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. So again, it's another picture of what once was cursed. God has the ability to turn into a blessing. You are now a part. You, when you decide to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you become a part of a powerful family full of benefits. You get unconditional love. You get unmerited favor. And you get unearned blessings. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 68 and 6 is the last scripture I'm going to give before I close. We talked about it last week. God places the lonely in families. God places the lonely in families. It doesn't matter your marital state. Doesn't matter your gender. Doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. You got a degree, you don't got a degree. You're a Republican, you're a Democrat, you're independent. God has opened the door for you to become a part of the kingdom of God. He's looking down and saying, we are family. He wants you to know that you have a community. You're not alone. The devil would love for you to think that. He wants you to think you're unlovable. He wants you to think you're unqualified. He wants you to think that you're undeserving. And God is saying everything the opposite of that, and that leaves you with a choice to say, which one of my fathers do I believe? The one I was born into or the one that's available to adopt me into his family? He won't make that choice for you. And even for some of you, you, you've made the choice to be a part of God's adopted family, but you're still operating as though you're an orphan, unloved, unwanted. And God is trying to tell you not so. He wants you to know that he, as your father, has his arms waiting for you. Think about it like this. We talked about that story of adoption. Let's put ourselves in it. Let's pretend just for a second that God the Father showed up at an orphanage called Earth. Yeah. And, and there's some rules to adoption. I don't know if you know this. The kids don't pick the parents. 
If you, if, if you ever go to, to an, an orphanage or, or, or an adoption facility, they don't look at the kids and say, okay, kids, here's all the parents. Which one you want? And little Jimmy be like, ooh, let me see. Um, let me get that mommy and let me get that daddy. It's not how it works. In adoption, the parents pick the children. Let me say it again. Because the Bible told us that we were adopted. When it comes to adoption, the parents pick the children. And so let's, let's see God our Father showing up to this earth. And this earth was called an orphanage. And he's looking around, he's trying to decide who he wants to adopt. And then he points, he points at you and say, I want that little girl right there. And Satan, you know, it's his agency because we were all born into his family. And he said, oh, that's a mix up. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how she got in there. You see, that's my daughter. You can't have her. She's mine. And he said, no, no, I want her. He said, the devil says, nah, you know, she's, she's messed up. I didn't have my way with her. You don't want that. And God looked at you, knowing how terrible of a father he was. Seeing all the ways that he abused you, misused you, mistreated you. And he still chose you. He says, no. I want her. And so the devil looks back at him and says, okay, hmm, I'll make you a deal. You can have her if I can have your son. And you know what Jesus said? You know what God said? He said, deal. I'll sacrifice my only begotten son just so I can adopt her. And he was talking about you. He was talking about me. He was talking about us. And that's all of our testimony. Is that we came here, the son of the devil, operating in his kingdom, undeserving, and God said, you are going to be mine. I want to help you with this, this last fact. You didn't choose God. He chose you. Now, you have the choice to believe in him. That's your choice. But he chose you before you could even make that choice. And he wants you to know something, that you are part of his family. He's looking at you and trying to get you to understand we are family. For some, that word just has this, this negative connotation to it. That word family, it brings up some bad stuff. It's triggering because of the experiences we had with biological, natural families. But what he's offering is nothing like that. 
What he's offering is unconditional love. He's going to just love you for you. What he's offering you is unmerited favor. Meaning that the blessings and, and, and things that he wants to pour into your life, you cannot earn, but he wants to give. And the last thing he wants to give you is those, those unearned blessings. We have to get to the place of understanding and knowing that everything we have, good, he gave it. We didn't go get it. He made a way for us to have it. Everything evil that ever happened to you came from the devil. If you were born in a great family, everything evil that happened to you was a result of the devil. If you were born into a not so great family, everything evil that happened to you was a result of the devil. Same source. But God is trying to give you something different. And he doesn't want you to just be a part of the family like that little girl who was still struggling to just be there, who was still operating under old mentalities, under old hangups, under old fears. He doesn't want you sitting in his new family with that old mindset. He wants you to feel at home because he already paid the price for all of those shortcomings, all of those fears, and all of those hangups. So you have to search your hearts here right now. Say, one, am I a part of the family of God? And two, if I am, am I operating like that is the truth? Because you can be here, you can be in the family, but not operating as though you're a member, still operating as an outsider, still trepidatious in how you move and operate in the kingdom of God, still not giving it your all, still got one foot in and one foot out. I'm just see how this goes. You might as well be out because you're not experiencing the fullness of the benefits of being his son, of being his daughter. And he wants you to experience it all. He doesn't want you to just get by. Think about how much you love your kids. Do you want them to just get by? Do you want them to just get to where you got to? Or do you want them to go further? Do you want them to be good or do you want them to be great? How much more so your heavenly father? You think he just wants you to be average? No, he wants so much more for you. But it starts with an identity, knowing that you are his son. You are his daughter. When you know that, you move different. Nobody can just treat you any old kind of way. And you won't treat yourself any old kind of way.
you'll move and operate as though you are his son, as though you are his daughter. That's his desire for you. So every time he tells you to do something and you decide to submit to fear instead of faith, that's you surrendering to your old father. Every time he tells you to reach out to such and such and make amends, even though they did you wrong, and you decide that they don't deserve your kindness because they were unthankful or they were wicked, that's you surrendering to your other father. Instead of surrendering to your adopted father. He's giving before you death and life. He's showing you what to do. He hasn't stopped giving you instructions. He hasn't stopped speaking to you. But how you operate in this family, that's up to you. If you don't get a firm grasp on the fact that you're his, you will always be operating at 50%. You will never be maxed out in your kingdom authority. And that's not the Lord's objective for your life. He wants you to operate so powerfully that everybody around you wants to know, what is that about you that makes you so powerful? And you know what? You'll be able to answer and say, my father, Abba, my father. That's what he wants for you. But do you want it for yourself? Or is it more comfortable for you to sit there in your old ways and in your old habits? Or will you choose to jump up out of that comfort zone as an act of faith to say, you know what? God has called me to more than this. I need to start operating as though I am his son, as though I am his daughter. That's a choice that only you can make. So when God reaches out to you and says, listen, son, listen, daughter, I need you to know something before you leave up out of here today. I need you to know that we are family. We, you and I, are family. Can we stand as we pray? This is a, a real powerful moment of reflection for you, because only you know where you stand in all of this. Only you will be able to be honest with yourself and say, Lord, you know what? I need to surrender and I need to make you my father. Or I need to return home. I left, I strayed, I've been disconnected, but I need to come back home. Not as a slave, as a son, as a daughter. And then there's a third category of people who are home, but uncomfortable. Living like an outsider in the kingdom of God. Only you know where you are in those groups of people. No matter where you are, this is a moment where you can get it right, where you can get in alignment with everything that God has for you, not partial benefits. He's trying to give you the whole 
package. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Just take a moment just to talk to God just for a second because you know where you're at already. And start that conversation with him that you need to start. With all eyes closed, if there's anybody that knows that they need to give their life to the Lord, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that, but just put your hand in the air as an act of faith to God that he sees. I see you. I see you. It doesn't take much. God doesn't have this long list of things that you have to do. He just wants to know that you are ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that before time began, before we were born, before we messed things up, you decided in advance to adopt us, to make us a part of your family, that you decided that we were lovable, that you decided that we could be a part of something bigger than ourselves, and that's your family. You decided to give us your name. That blows our minds to know that you love us so much that you decided to leave heaven, to come to earth, to live a perfect life, to bleed on a cross that you nailed yourself to so that we could be adopted into the family that you created. Father, we just want to take this moment just to say thank you. We don't deserve one ounce of it, but we are so grateful to know you as Abba, our Father. Thank you, Lord, for declaring us to be your sons and to be your daughters. We are forever grateful to know you in that way, that you're so concerned about us that you came and paid a price that we could never have paid. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. And most importantly, thank you for your mercy that has surrounded us all the days of our lives. Thank you for your mercy that has kept us all the days of our lives. Father, we could never say thank you enough, but in this moment, we just want to offer up a thank you. We just want to offer up a hallelujah. We just want to offer up a thank you, Jesus. You are such a good, good father. Now, before we continue on, there are some that wanted to give their life to the Lord. So as a family, we're all going to make a declaration together to cover those who want to give their life to the Lord. So everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for coming to this earth and dying for my sins. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I recognize that you are the son of the living God. And I invite you into my life to be my Lord and savior from this day forward from now and forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Put your hands together for those who made that commitment. Thank God that we have some new family members in the family of God. Listen.
If the Lord has pricked your heart and he has told you that this church is your home, do us a favor. Meet us outside at the table that says new here, start here. We want to get you acclimated. We want to get you plugged in. We have a course that we call Discovery. And that is how you find your place, not just in the body of Christ, but in all nations of war. We don't want you to just show up. We want you to be connected. We want to help you discover who you are to the Lord and what he will have you to do in this season of life. So come outside, tell the team that you want to be a part of this church and we want to be your family. Don't be a serial visitor no more. Come on home. You are welcome here. Father, as everyone leaves this place, I ask that your presence goes with them and that everyone makes it home safely and that you will continue the conversation with them that you started in this place. We honor you as our Father, our Lord, and our Master. And for that, we are grateful and we say, thank you, Lord. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.